Good evening, afternoon, night, morning, whenever, whenever you find a way to watch or listen to this podcast. It's me, Omar, with a friend of the podcast. Um, you know, I've been uh, been careful to not say old because I got in trouble once time, once a long time before. We have Dwayne from the Yard HBCU. Um, Dwayne, how's everything going? Well, you know what, man? Every time you, you say that, I always respond by saying I don't mind being old, especially with the fact that my 47th birthday was last Tuesday. So to celebrate oh, that, birthday. thank you, thank you. You know, I, I do not mind getting older. That means I'm still here. And, you know, that means I'm still capable of um, harassing fans of uh, various institutions on a regular basis. <laughs> and, of course, doing what I love, which is, you know, of course, covering HBCU athletics and, of course, design work um, whenever I get the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to get to see, uh, you know, firsthand all, all the stuff that you produce, especially uh, last week, the 10 and two record picking the HBCU game. So let's hope uh, let's hope you top that this week. You know, I, I read I read your picks and uh, I, I think I think you have a great chance of, of topping topping last week. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. For those who, who don't know. So whenever you get an opportunity, go check out um, my articles on HeroSports.com. Every week I do a preview of my top five matchups. Well, this week it's four in a pillow fight. Um, and then I, I do my uh, pr uh, prognostication, my picks for every game that's being played on the FCS level. Um, I've been doing rather good this season. I'm, I'm at an 80% clip for the entire year. There were a couple of times I tried to pick upsets, and a couple of times I got upset. And I find it interesting um, – <laughs> I talked to Coach Trey Oliver of North Carolina Central during um, one of the weekly press conferences and his facial expression that he made when I said that um, uh, about me picking against them and uh, the fact that I would never pick against them again like that in the situation. Yeah, I don't know if he liked that response too tough, but the fact that they're playing good football as an AAT alum just makes me upset. But as an HBCU fan, I love to see it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I can understand you being upset as an A&T alum, but yeah, Central, I mean, having a, an amazing year and uh, the race for the MIAC was very, very impressive this year. I mean, I know you I know you had a prediction for Delaware, Delaware State, Howard, Delaware State. I know I've, I've been riding the Rod Milstead train for uh, the past two seasons. Someday it's going to it's going to the station is going to stop or the train's going to stop in Atlanta. But again, you know, always excited to to read your picks. You know, you can't you can't be wrong if you if you say the same prediction every year and, and it finally <laughs> That's just what I'm. That's just what I'm going with. Um, hey, a broken Jackson clock is right twice a day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, broken clock's right twice a day. And Jackson, Jackson's followed suit because um, uh, he highlighted Jarish Jarish Halsey as his uh, player of the week, HBC player of the week. So, um, yeah, just uh, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, some that someday that train stops in Atlanta. But um, you know, starting Miac play coming soon. Um, I guess on to I guess staying staying in the Miac. Yeah, staying in the Miac. Uh, so our main our main topic today. We got this weekend, uh, North Carolina A&T uh, visiting Robert Morris uh, in the Pittsburgh Metro Moon Township of Pennsylvania. And so the big question is, you know, can HBCU football stick? Can a classic stick in Pittsburgh, especially uh, with the recent kind of trends in the Rust Belt with with HBCU classics where you have the Columbus Classic that got off to a great start last year, uh, forced to be canceled. Then you have the... Uh, Let's see what else. I'm pretty sure I was the only one. Yeah, the Columbus Classic, and, and that was it, essentially. But there has not really been a classic in the Rust Belt in that sort of Midwest region really for a while. So 
this weekend you have NCANT Robert Morris. Uh, I'm sure NCANT fans travel well, Dwayne. I mean, I'm I'm not so sure. You you probably know a lot better than I would, or you definitely would know a lot better than I would. <laughs> yes. Well, first and foremost, let me go ahead and correct you because I know MEAC fans that are watching were like, "Man, them Bama's ain't in the MEAC no more." So yes, we know My that bad. ANT yes. is no longer in the MEAC. They're currently in the Big South, preparing themselves for the CAA. But to answer your question, yes, ANT are great traveling fans i'm just you know a little intrigued by well not intrigued but i'm a little concerned about the timing of course with our homecoming coming up next week and i know a lot of people who didn't get an opportunity to go to homecoming in 2021 i'm most definitely looking forward to going next weekend so i know there may be some that are going to be willing to travel twice or some that even may be more willing to travel to um to the pittsburgh area and forego next week but um I don't, I don't think our usual traveling, traveling group will be there, but I know that the alumni base in the Pittsburgh area and maybe some of those that are in the Philadelphia area will be willing to travel to, um, to, to, uh, to Moosia. And, and, and oddly enough, you know, this is the first time that they'll be coming to the Pittsburgh area. But this is like the sixth time that they've been in the state of uh, Pennsylvania. So it's, it's a rarity for the Aggies to be there. So, of course, those that are within driving distance of Pittsburgh will probably take that opportunity to go and check them out. Absolutely, and uh, my mistake in the conference—the conference flip, the slip—I mean, I, you know, try to try to organize myself like what direction I want to go, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like, uh, like you mentioned, a rare trip to Pittsburgh. I mean, it's a trip to a city, you know, a, a big city outside of the MEX, or sorry, the Big South, Big South footprint. Um, I guess yeah, for the I guess yeah for the. For this for this time being a rare trip but um i mean i'm kind of intrigued because robert morris is a program that probably you know doesn't really draw well you know football you know takes a back seat i guess you know with it being a younger program the basketball program being strong and just it being generally a small school overshadowing mm-hmm. the pittsburgh area uh robert morris has scheduled norfolk state in a home and home a, a couple years from now and they also scheduled Howard last year with a return trip back to Washington, D.C. to be determined. So I kind of see a direction where Robert Morris is wanting to invite these HBCUs. But, I mean, I'm kind of wondering if if you think it's a lucrative step for them to kind of make it a showcase game. Because, you know, from my background, being a Holy Cross fan, uh, seeing what Holy Cross has done with their game at Polar Park, the EBW Classic, uh, where it's kind it's a neutral site game. Yes, it's not. a, But essentially, it's a home game on a bigger stage. It's downtown. Give some fans a change of scenery from, you know, I-95 and, and Fit and Field, you know, from from the uh, the creaky venue out in, out in Worcester. It's a great, you know, old stadium, but, you know, it's it's just, you know, it's seen better days. But I kind of wonder whether uh, Robert Morris would, would benefit, even not even just Robert Morris, but like also St. Francis, possibly even Duquesne would benefit from moving a game or playing a game with the HBCU, you know, downtown Pittsburgh, give their fans a change of scenery, players, you know, kind of a big game feel as well. You know, that's a very interesting question. And um, I'm thinking, you know, it depends. It depends upon who the school is, right? Um, Like you said, with, with, um, because they played Howard. I remember them playing Howard last year. And that game was um, at Robert Moore last year, right? Yeah. So, um, of course, that was 2021, still dealing with COVID protocol. I know they probably had some issues with, um, with, with um, traveling then. stereotypically Norfolk state fans aren't necessarily known to travel that well. And, and from what I've seen with Howard, they're kind of shaky. 
you know, they won't necessarily come out as we'll probably talk about a little bit later on um, to some of the events that are that are local, but they'll go to MetLife Stadium to go check them out. You know, they did, you know, 30,000 um, against um, uh, 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 Morehouse uh, back in September. But, you know, it's a combination of both, both Howard and actually some people did travel up to uh, to New York to go watch them play. And, of course, the Spelman Morehouse um, alums in that region who don't necessarily get a chance to see their schools play too tough, especially locally. So they'll they'll go to New York or they'll go to New Jersey to go check them out. Um, the question is, will they go to Pittsburgh? But I'm, I'm thinking that it's a possibility that those um, A&T alums or those HBCU alums that are living in Ohio might be uh, willing to travel over to Pittsburgh to go check those games out as well. And I'm thinking they probably would do better by getting more of those, um, say like a Lincoln, uh, 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 who was that? Um, God, it's right there on the tip of my tongue. A Central State, maybe even Kentucky State to come up to Pittsburgh to go check them out and play them there um, in downtown Pittsburgh. That might be a, a good option for them to do that. But um, yeah, it's either do that or get you a, a, a an HBCU fan base, like you said, like an A&T like a Florida A&M um, that'll be willing to travel up to Pittsburgh to go check that game out, especially if it's going to be in um, a larger stadium. Exactly. And uh, just, a, just a couple notes too. I mean, you mentioned uh, Lincoln and, and Central State. I almost said Wilberforce because uh, I was going to bring up the oh, history. Oh, Wilberforce, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking about the history of, uh, of, uh, of HBCU ball in, in Pittsburgh. No, we're uh, not talking so about they, Wilberforce doesn't have a football team. Yeah, but yeah, you're talking, you were talking they, about they the did, history. Yeah. Because yeah, of the history, yeah. Because uh, yeah, yeah. Nineteen twenty six, you had Lincoln play uh play Wilberforce at at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh, and then uh the last pretty much classic that happened in Pittsburgh was in nineteen seventy. Which I mean, honestly, it just seemed like kind of like the perfect. I guess not the perfect, but like the the rest. Like it's the best recipe for disaster because at the time you have Grambling and Morgan State moving their rivalry from Yankee Stadium to Pittsburgh. Uh, mm-hmm. so like you mess up one tradition there, and kind of, and again, in, in a city that's like not as i guess glamorous as new york you know i hope it don't get pittsburgh hate on, on this podcast but just oh, from they, they know that they're not glamorous they most definitely know that they're a blue collar town <laughs> if they necessarily take offense to that i'm sorry because i you said it better than i said it earlier in terms of you know like you said with the difference of going to metlife to say god what is that weird name that Hinesville currently has now Ah, uh, geez, I still call Heinz Field. <laughs> yeah, right. Or or even PNC Bank Stadium where, where yeah. um the Pirates play. If they were to have it there too, to have a, a smaller venue. So yeah, they know that they're not as glamorous as New York City. They know that. The river's the river's beautiful. And I mean that that nineteen seventy game with uh Grambling and Morgan State only drew fourteen thousand fans. Uh, you know, it's called the Renaissance Football Classic. But you know, you can kind of see that they gave up on the idea, scrapped it after a year. There just hasn't been a classic since. But you kind of wonder if, like, you pick different teams, you know, not grambling where you say not go for the the top of the class right away. You know, if things were di- things would end up differently. So now with with Robert Moore scheduling these HBCUs, uh, maybe we see kind of like a revival in these classics. You maybe I mean it. I mean, you mentioned some fan bases nearby, like Central State makes a lot of sense. Uh, of course, you know, Lincoln being across the state makes sense, too. And even Kentucky State, too. And though Kentucky State, they might be classic out because part of, I guess, their overuse in the, in the Circle City Classic, which was, yeah, that was the other classic that I wanted to mention. Uh, the Circle City Classic is part of the reason why I don't think it'll come back again because they just kind of ran out of ideas. And uh, Kentucky State and Central State fans kind of got, got weary of, uh, of, of Indianapolis. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess that being said, with like the next question discussion point, I mean, we you briefly mentioned how uh, Harvard versus Howard, the Truth and Service Classic. Uh, do you think that fans would show up for an HBCU Classic with a PWI opponent? Because again, from my experience going to the the Truth and Service Classic, I saw this. I was like, wow, like I mean, this, this is a Harvard Crimson, you know, uh, a not just athletic brand but academic brand, um, you know, playing in a soccer stadium. I mean. Uh, thought I thought it would draw. I thought it would have drawn pretty well because it's it's a it's a rare matchup. It's it's akin to like, um, I guess the excitement around was kind of like before the pandemic when you know we looked at the schedule at the at the academy. We saw that Oklahoma was going to go to West Point and like you know this is like this is a rare game and it is so cool that you know that I guess I'm a cadet during that time. Fortunately, it didn't happen. <laughs> But it has that feel where it's like when like when's the next time Harvard and Howard are going to play in a home and home. Uh, especially in a in a site downtown DC, you know, Audi Field. So I mean, again, back to my question, I guess just to reiterate, like, will do you think HBCU fans will show up for a classic with a PWI, especially one with a very small, I guess, brand and footprint as Robert Morris? Wow, that is a wonderful question. And that one is a head scratcher for me. And um I really don't know. I I, I don't. Um, because based upon what we've seen, my, I, I would, you know, with, with little research, my, my answer would be no, but I was hoping really that more, uh, uh, uh Harvard fans would come out. I know one of the things that has been an issue, not going to stuff you talked about on your show before is that the city still hasn't bought into Howard athletics. It's been a very long time since since DC has invested in Howard Athletics. And that was because, of course, during the time they were a championship um program. Now not so much. And this the, the city just won't come out for them as much as they used to. And for whatever reason, the alumni base doesn't come out as strong, especially in DC, unless it's homecoming for them for whatever reason. Um so to to, to answer your question. Unless it's um, in a venue where the fans are most definitely going to come out um, and the fan base isn't necessarily hung up on the fact that it's going to be a PWI, then I think it works. Like this weekend, even though it's not a classic, but this weekend's matchup between Jackson State and um, Campbell is most definitely going to be a sellout. But, of course, there's another um, factor in that. And of course, that factor is one Deion Sanders. And it's like, no matter where he goes, with the exception of his first season when he went to um, University of uh, Louisiana Monroe and w- was begging for the fans to come to travel down there. Now he doesn't even have to do that. The fans are coming. They're coming to see these boys play. But um, yeah, if it's a factor where you get these fans that most definitely love their institutions and their programs, they're going to come out no matter who they're playing against they're most definitely no work. And it's like a handful of programs that I can think of that would do that. And, and I hate saying A&T because people are going to look at me as being biased, but of course they're one of them. Another one, of course, is Florida and them. And I truly believe that that will be another one that will be willing to travel, especially if it was in-state, to go see their team play. Um, so I think that's that's the only way that that would work. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree, and I mean, it's sad, but that's a good point. Bring about how about Howard Athletics because, 
I mean, when was the last time they truly contended in the in the MIAC? You'd have to say the uh, the Kalen Newton years, you know. But hopefully, I mean, you know, they have great play at quarterback again. They have a star uh, in Quint in uh, in Quinn Williams, who you know, I mean, one of the best in the MIAC, one of the best in HBCU football. But I mean, he's of course going to go. I mean, maybe maybe Jalen Tolbert, you know, the, the future of the program can inspire, you know, get, you mm-hmm. know, rejuvenate interest in the program. But we just don't know. Uh, it's it's interesting too because I mean. As, as much as we want to believe it, Jackson State, of course, is outlier because of, you know, Deion Sanders and just all the storylines, too. Like, uh, I mean, I've been getting my popcorn ready, reading all of HBCU Twitters, you know, all, all, the, all the banter back and forth. You know, it's it's been truly entertaining. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, it, it it's interesting because I feel like more programs would be, like, better served. Like, programs like Robert Morris would be better served to, like, play HBCUs because – you know, how else are they going to draw? I mean, uh, my article too, you know, the, I kind of laid down the, the footprint where like they can play a game at the, uh, the city's USL stadium, Highmark stadium, which is, uh, which is, I mean, honestly, like that's any reason for fans to travel Just seeing a game, uh, you know, alongside, you know, a, a river, you know, there's very few stadiums like nestled, like literally like beside a river. So it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's like watching art and play, but um, I guess but that's besides the point, but I mean, yeah, like it, I, I guess I guess we'd have to see it more in regularity. I mean, because even then, even though Robert Morris has had these games, like they're probably one of the few programs that are like regularly scheduling these games and like not just as one offs. Um, so I mean, I, I guess I guess for that point too, just like like creating regularity, I, I kind of would like to see you know a sort of Mayor's Cup type game with like North Carolina Central and New Hampshire the same way that uh that. Mm-hmm. South Carolina, Missouri have cause just because they share the same city name, but that's I'm just spitballing ideas out here. <laughs> oh, that that probably would be a cool idea, but again, you know, it, that would have to be a a home home situation, and I'm I'm thinking in those situations that they will each home team it will be a successful situation for those. Um, I don't I don't know how that would look, especially in in Durham, North Carolina. Um, to have uh, New Hampshire to come down to play and them playing in a larger venue or not. But that 10,000 uh, seat stadium that they have, they most definitely fill that up for them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that, that one didn't have to be a neutral side game, but I mean, we'll see. I think I think this game, uh, I think local organizers should be kind of on watch for this game, I guess, for attendance, you know, A&T and Robert Morris, just to see if, uh, if the local community shows out for this. I mean, it'll be kind of hard to sell since, like, uh, Robert Morris has one of the smallest stadiums in FCS and he only seats, like, 3,000, the, the, yeah. the, the Joe. <laughs> the, the Joe, but, uh, I mean – you know, hopefully it's a sellout. I would hope it is a sellout, but I mean, I I, I just I think I honest, I honestly think that more North Carolina A&T fans will show up than Robert Morris fans because it's it's been a rough year for the Colonials. But yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> being winless right now. Am I correct? They are winless, right? They're, they're they're winless, and then after after you guys, they have a App State coming up, so it does not appear to be getting getting any better. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's gonna be um a tough two weeks for them. Um yeah, it 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 it. Reminds me of 2019 when A&T went down to North Charleston and played against Charleston Southern. Now, of course, living in Charleston for four years and having to drive past the university, having to drive past the campus on a regular basis, I was most definitely familiar with the stadium and knew that it sat less than 3,000 um, seats themselves. And I knew that that was most definitely a concern for traveling Aggies to be like, okay, where am I going to sit? But I knew with it raining that day, well, not knowing that, but no, that was the game in 2021 where it rained. But um, 
No, I think there was some. Never mind. I'm not going to put my old mind to think about whether or not it was weather or not that day because I'm going to sit here and embarrass myself. But there was still a large A&T contingency there for that Charleston Southern game, um, as I anticipated. Like, I knew a lot of my friends who were living in the state of South Carolina was most definitely going to go out. And then, of course, people who are living in Fayetteville in southern North Carolina that will be willing to drive down to Charleston for the for the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, essentially, too, it comes down to just manageable trips and like just tourism, too. I, I just thought about something as well. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like another case study in this is uh, 2018 Hampton when Hampton had to craft together the most random of uh, of independent schedules, too. And it just doesn't mm-hmm. look like that Hampton, despite being probably, I mean, probably one of the one of the more well-known uh, HBCUs, at least, you know, private institutions, uh, just didn't appear to to really, I guess, you know, they, they didn't appear to be a, a draw to the, the, the crowds they went to, you know, whether it be like Presbyterian, you know, Northern Iowa, heck, even SUNY Maritime, which uh, that was a game I remember looking at when I was when I was a kid. And I was like, wow, if uh, if Army did not have a home game, that is that is something that I would I, w- I would love to see Hampton playing a D playing at a D3 school in, in mm. the Bronx. But uh, yeah, that's that's beyond the point. But um, yeah, again, like we'll see. I mean. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we've created enough storylines for a game between a. I, I forget what A&T's record is. I, I know Rob Morris is zero and six, but uh, three and three, a three and three team and zero and six team. So we have. Uh, we have. I think. I think squeezed the the juice out of this and the seeds have fallen into the into the cup too. <laughs> but uh, again, like there's future implications for this, and I mean, hopefully the city of Pittsburgh, uh, embraces you know HBC football this time for you know hopefully a future classic. Yeah. Um. God, and, and and I think that's that's most definitely one of the things. But to your point about um squeezing as much as we could, I gotta reference um a TikTok I saw a little bit earlier where Rick Ross was questioning um <laughs> the um the legitimacy of almond milk and squeezing the milk out of the walnut. Just his facial expression and the fact that he felt as though that he was afraid of it, it still boggles my mind. It's still hilarious to me, but I digress. Um, one of the biggest things that um, seems to be an issue, though, that I feel, um, and we didn't touch on it a little bit, of course, is um, a lot of HBCU fans that aren't willing to go see HBCUs play PWIs because it's not a familiar um, fan base. And for some of them, I'm still trying to understand this, that they get more enjoyment out of the trash talk, especially with a familiar fan base than they do actually watching the team. Now, there are a lot of other fans out there who, of course, who are just willing to support their program, no matter who they play. But there are still some fans that that have to have that HBCU culture and have that have it with an HBCU opponent in, in order to make them feel comfortable to go out to those games. Um, I wish that some of us would get over that. Um but there still are enough of us that will be willing enough to go see um, our institutions play against a PWI. So, you know, to your point, I would love to see more of them, but I understand how much of a detraction that would be to organizers from whatever cities um, that might be willing to host them if they think that they may not get um, an audience, not just from the HBCU fan base, but from PWIs who may not be familiar with the opponent, opponent either. Exactly. And I mean, I think uh, on the PWI side, just seeing like, you know, you, you see the history of 
not just college football, but pro football too. And some of these HBCUs, I mean, just look, looking at the alumni, of course, everyone knows about Walter Payton. Everyone knows about Doug Williams. I mean, every, everyone knows about Buck Buchanan, but there's just so many great players from these HBCUs. I mean, that, you know, fill up rosters even to this day. So even with PWIs too, but I mean, it's interesting you bring up the whole trash talk perspective too, because I feel like a lot of it is also a, a regional thing too, because I mean, it, it it's hard it's hard i guess if you're if you're hampton to to trash talk you know main fans because like you know what what kind of, like what kind of like regional characteristics like do you have in common like you know what what do you have like what kind of cultural characteristics do you have in common to trash talk a main fan you know uh so, so i feel like that also plays a part of it too with the caa essentially being you know the like half yankee conference and half you know stragglers so i mean that that i think that also adds to it the guy to that point too, you know, from from my understanding, um, and I don't want Hampton fans to jump on me on this either, but from what I'm hearing, that they're not necessarily that dedicated of a fan base either in terms oh. of traveling too. So you get them in that situation, especially into the CAA with new opponents that they may not be familiar with, and like you said, to have to go play a Stony Brook probably sooner rather than later, or to go play a Maine. Or to go play a a, a Villanova's, um, I'm I'm wondering what those attendance numbers are going to look like when then has to travel, especially north of DC. What that's going to look like, especially with the way that not just collegiate football, but FCS football, the way that fans kind of turn out for that, especially in the Mid Atlantic and north of that. Um, especially if it's a program that's not a winning one, that we just don't turn out that well. Um, okay, maybe your Delawares, your uh, your Townsends. Um, but you start talking about other programs. I, 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 I can't think of any program off the top of my head, and I know someone's going to correct me on this, that would normally generate at least 10,000 fans on a, week, on a weekly basis, especially north, again, north of Richmond. I would have to agree because um, but you're saying you're saying HBCUs north of north of uh Richmond, well, right? Well, or... well, not just HBCUs, but I mean just FCS programs as a whole. Okay, yeah, I agree. I agree. Still, then, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of one. You know, of course, Maryland Navy, um, Army. You know, uh, of course, Syracuse, Penn State, Pitt. Those FBS programs most definitely would turn out. But when you start talking F FCS, from what I've seen, that's where those numbers and that attention to those programs tend to dwindle, as opposed to, you know, your programs um, south of Richmond. You start talking about North Carolina, South Carolina, and primarily, especially in, in the southeast when you're talking about Alabama, Mississippi, um, Georgia, Texas, um, Oklahoma. Those those fans, they most definitely will come out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I I do think I do think the one program like North of Richmond, I think it, like FCS wise is Delaware. You know, which is mm -hmm. you know they're having the talks about, well, not talks, but just like people are speculating an F an FBS move. But yeah, I I do think it's a regional thing, and and I think it does bleed you know bleed into Western Pennsylvania too. I mean, if if you want to lump that in the Northeast, but um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, th I think that's that's all I got for this topic, Dwayne. I mean, uh, you have any any other things to add? Any other um, from from the HBCU world anywhere? Or... 
Well, just real quick, remember the St. Louis Classic that we talked about during the summer? Oh, what a mess. Jeez. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. Wow. Yeah, oh, that, that's God. worth conversation. That's definitely worth conversation. Yeah, and the fact that those organizers, who, who from my understanding, were involved in at least um, several other uh, classics, um, it seems as though whatever they touched turned to trash and it just never um, came into fruition. And they had to cancel at least two football games that I know of. Um, and, and sadly enough for the one in St. Louis, it was the week of, and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's, Oh my God. I can only imagine for those Alabama, um, A&M and those, uh, UAPB, um, fans that were looking to travel to St. Louis to go take out a game, probably had hotels, um, flights arranged or whatever to go take out this game and to have that late cancellation and having to deal with that, how much of, um, God, just how horrible that would have to be. And that's one of those things, man, that I would say, not just HBCUs, but um, all institutions as a whole need to be leery of is who you use as a promoter for your events as it pertains to having um, these sporting events or these classes. I could not have said it better myself. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the uh, the the controversial promo they had, they, they had uh, regarding that. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. And, and, <laughs> Oh my God! So, I, I, Omar, you have to help me out with what was exactly said, because when it was told to me, I'm like, okay, I, I know what they were attempting to do, but ooh, that's not the way to do it. That's very cringeworthy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let me let me find it. Uh. Let's see. Yeah. I sent it to my friend. It said. It said, uh, "quote unquote, bring a black male to the classic. You may change his life." Yeah, this was was not. Yeah, yeah. someone wasn't thinking. Someone was not thinking there. They they were, but they weren't. And the reason why I say that, right? You you start talking about um, larger cities west of the Mississippi that aren't necessarily exposed to HBCU culture on a regular basis, and whenever they get an opportunity to go see it, you know that might tempt them or entice them to want to attend an HBCU. So I see what they were going with that, but ooh, that ain't the way to, to phrase it. God, that ain't the way to phrase it. Oh, did it have to be black male? I mean, did it have no, to be like, limited to males? Like that's that's just that's no, just my issue because I see what you're saying. It's like yeah, like I, I I saw what they were doing, but I'm like ooh, that's not the way to do it. Ooh, ooh, ooh yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, shoot, I guess I guess it's safe to say I I don't think there will be another St. Louis Classic. I mean, but. We'll see. Maybe if uh they can get the promoters that are doing the Memphis Saint or the Memphis Missouri game, um because mm-hmm. there's yeah next year at the, at the dome. Maybe if uh, those promoters hop on, but I I I don't know if I don't know if it'll be worth it for them because it seems like that's just I don't, I don't even know that's a promoter thing. I think that's just the the two athletic departments just coming together because Missouri did the ultimate power five ultimatum say hey we're not gonna play it until until we play we're not gonna play you guys unless you play it in NFL Stadium which is you know. I, I have my I have my qualms about you know power five scheduling, but yeah, like uh, just just absolutely uh tragic, and it just would have been would have been so great for Alabama or sorry Arkansas Pine Bluff just to you know have that that classic again back in St. Louis, but um may I guess maybe they look towards Kansas City. I got I, I don't even know at this point. Neither do I, neither do I. But we'll we'll wait and see exactly how that pans out. Um, if they again want to do um. Uh, more classics further west and, and, and see how that works for them. Because, of course, it will be great 
for um for their enrollment if it works out to their favor where they're able to get um those those regions to buy in and and have a huge turnout not just from the alumni base but from those that live in that, that area to come check out this game see it fall in love with an HBCU and start applying to schools exactly no i mean well said Dwayne. um yeah so i mean let's here's to hoping for the better i guess for uh for you know for western hbcus but um yeah, I guess past that, I don't, I don't have anything else to add, Dwayne. Um, any, so, anything more? Um, just one news update for those that probably don't know, and then two shout outs real quick. Um, one, of course, I don't know if you saw, you probably did see today, Omar. Of course, that Doc Gamble, the, the um former head coach over at Arkansas Pine Bluff, was let relieved of his duties today. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't see that. Uh, ever, um, you know, with them being the um Western Division. Um, champs back in 2020 and during um, that COVID season, they, they've won like, they've gone with 8 16 cents. Mm-hmm. And they most definitely have looked bad in outings this, um, this particular season. So uh, unfortunately, Gamble was relieved of his duties um, as of today. But I need to shout out two people. First and foremost, um, Tiffany Dawn. Um, God, ooh, the fact that I forgot her last name that quick is it, it, killing me right now. But the new um, athletics director over, oh, yeah, um, yeah, Tiffany Dawn Sykes, the new athletic director over at Florida A&M. Most definitely got to shout her out. Congratulations to her with her appointment as of last week. Um, oddly enough, Omar, she was one of my earlier followers at the Yard HBCU on wow. Twitter. So I've seen her do during her um, her growth through um, HBC, not just HBCU athletics, but collegiate athletics, because we moved, before moving over to Florida a and she was over at Dartmouth. So I, I've seen her and her, her growth and her transition um, through various institutions, and now she's the AD over there at FAMU, so congratulations to her. And then my man, Kyle Adams, who is now an assistant athletics director over at Delaware State, also an appointment as of last week as well. So congratulations to the two of them. Um, I, I wish nothing but good luck to the both of you guys. As do I, wishing the best to the new leadership at Delaware State and Florida and Florida A and M. So I'm sure uh, if uh, if your friend of Del- Delaware State sees my comments about the football team earlier, hopefully uh, hopefully he sees them. You know that that I'm still I'm still faithful believer in the Hornets. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm a little disappointed. I won't get a chance to see uh, Coach Milstead this weekend. You know, um, I've had wonderful conversations with with Coach. Same with uh, Coach Larry Scott as well. You know, man, I'm going to miss both my guys. And the fact that it's Howard's homecoming too, the fact that I can't go, but the fact that I'm missing an opportunity to get a chance to speak to the both of them. Because I know Milstead, who was most definitely angry about his the preseason prediction of their team and the fact that the defense is starting to bear fruit from what he said that they would be this year based upon what they did last year, even with some some players that they've lost. Um you know, they, they're still playing relatively well. I'm just waiting to see exactly what they look like once they get to the meat of their schedule, uh, a.k.a. North Carolina Central and South Carolina State, to see how they look when they play against those two guys. Yeah, and it, it's it's kind of it kind of sucks that, like, you know, we're riding off Morgan State, Norfolk State already, but it, it is what it is. I mean. Well, uh, I'm, I'm more so disappointed for uh, Coach Wilson. It's not to say that I like Coach Wilson more, I like Coach Odom. But the the way that um, Coach Wilson and Morgan State looked with their big win that they had um, back in September, and then that unfortunate loss that they had against Norfolk at homecoming with five seconds to go on the clock, 
And then, unfortunately, that's why they beat, was it St. Francis? Was it was beat? Sacred Heart. Sacred, Sacred Heart. Heart. That's what it was. It was Sacred yeah. Heart. You know, that big win, it, well, the win that they had over Sacred Heart. Then, of course, the close loss to uh, the Norfolk State. And then huh, Central blew the doors off them on on Thursday night last oh, yeah. week. Yeah. Um, just a little mm-hmm. disappointed on the turn that they're taking. But of course, it's his first year. Yeah. You know, I'm 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 intrigued to see exactly how that program grows with him. And then, of course, Norfolk State with them having um, their rough season, the way that that started for them, unfortunately. But um, you know, we want to see how actually Coach Odom's uh, rebounds for the rest of the season and and see how he competes um, during conference play. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Norfolk State, I mean, granted, there's a lot of loss, especially at the quarterback position, but yeah. and on defense, too, and on defense. Sean Dixon as well. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe they – hopefully they can get on track, get back on track next year. But the funny thing was is, I guess, like um, a couple weeks ago, with mm-hmm. as bad of a start as Norfolk State had, you know, they still had a prayer for the uh, the Celebration Bowl because it's a five-game season. Love the five-game five season. Five-game sprint. <laughs> And there is a big one going down in Orangeburg this weekend between Central oh, yeah. and South Carolina State. Um, I'm most definitely be keeping my eyes on that. Probably be watching that a little bit more than I'm watching AT Robert Morris because I'm expecting that one to be a blowout quick. But I digress. Um, matter of fact, I think it's I think that game is a 3 p.m. game, so I'm I probably won't have to divert my attention from my Aggies. Pro- with the AT being a noon start up there in, in Pittsburgh, so I'll probably will be able to get a chance to check them both out. But yeah, that's going to be a slobber knocker. I've already talked about, of course, Jackson State and, and Campbell. And we kind of hinted what the ramifications of that matchup and what that's, that's going to mean within um, FCS football. But, yeah, it's going to be some good football being played this weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it, too. I mean, uh, yeah, that, that'll definitely be on my radar, at least Central and, uh, yeah, Central and South Carolina State, you know, because as much as I hate to say it in late October that this may be the, uh, the MEAC title game. <laughs> I mean, it's it's sure looking that way, but uh, it's I, I it's looking on. that way. But you know, somebody can surprise. You know, Delaware State might be that surprise. Howard, if they can turn it around, because they haven't. This this will be their first, uh, excuse me, conference game this weekend. If they can still, God, it's it's rough for me to say steal one during their homecoming. But if they can steal one against Dell State and run off a few, and and the ball bounces a funny way against. Um, those two programs, maybe they'll win out. So, for five games, man, I'm hoping for madness. But we'll have to wait and see. But I'm with you. I truly believe that Saturday will be a de facto championship game um, for the MEAC between these two programs. Absolutely. I mean, e- even more reason to watch it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm excited. You know, thanks for setting the stage for a great week of HBCU football. Um, I don't have anything else to win. If, if you don't, no, I'm good, baby. All right. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everyone that will listen or watch this. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and soul.